We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge apply. Ctmobile.com. Oh, man, is it Monday. Not sure if the rest of you feel like myself, but it sure feels like a Monday. And there is a lot to get to. Patriots and Niners appear to be on a collision course for Miami with two historic Defenses. Welcome into a Monday edition of Home and Home, a radio.com sports original. We are brought to you by ZipRecruiter. Check them out. Smartest way to hire. Try ZipRecruiter for free. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. We'll also get into the World Series. What a stunning reversal. The home team has not yet won a game and it's headed back to Houston. But do not say, and under any circumstances, no matter what happens in game six, well, you know. What not to say if you've listened to us before. I'm Dave Briggs, home in Connecticut. Ross Tucker back home from West Point. And I want to get into the World Series as we start on a Monday, Ross, but from a very different perspective. I don't want to talk about the game yet. No, we will later. I want to talk about three fan performances, and you decide which you like the best, okay? All right. Number one. The fans savagely booing the president of the United States in Washington, D.C., later chanting, lock him up. That's number one. Number two, female fans flashed Ace Garrett Cole. Boobs and all, apparently one has been banned from Major League Baseball. And number three, a Nats fan, Jeff Adams Ross, should be your hero. He saw a home run coming straight at him in the stands. He was holding two beers. He was double fisting. He didn't drop a beer. He didn't spill a sip, but he took a home run ball off the chest. Who's your hero fan from game five? Uh, Well, in order, in terms of what what I like, if I had to rank him, uh, I go number one, I go boobs. Um, I think that's pretty obvious. Uh, Don't really have much else to say about that that I'm going to (laughs) say. on a video or audio show. But if you're asking me, number one, I'm going with the uh, the flashing of the boobs of Garrett Cole. I'm still a little confused as to mm-hmm. what company they were supposedly touting or what they were doing, um, like what the strategy was there. I've just sure. seen the clips on social media and um, I think those are I think those are nice clips. I enjoy those <laughs> clips. So I'm not I'm not quite sure what they accomplished or what happened. I don't know how you ban someone, by the way, for Major League Baseball. Like, so let's say she goes to an Arizona Diamondbacks game, or they go. Yeah. Are people really going to remember what their faces look like, or they don't like take your ID, right? You just have a ticket. I mean, did was there any part where it even showed their faces? Because the clips I saw, it just showed from. <laughs> Uh, here down. If they showed the faces, neither of us caught them. Apparently our eyes were uh, distracted there. So you're right about that. I did not see them. I don't think they, they captured them on camera, but we wouldn't have seen them anyway. Yeah. And by the way, if I was major league baseball, this is one of the differences between me and them. 
that would not, not only would they not get kicked out, that would be mandatory for any baseball game that's not within three runs ever. Get get the boob girls behind home plate. Get Joey, just get the boob girls behind home plate. We need to keep these people watching this somehow. So um, that's number one for me. You know, I, I I hate to go down this road. Number two is clearly going to be the guy double fisting the Bud Light, taking the baseball to the chest, but for a very different reason, Dave. Um, I don't understand people that drink Bud Light or Coors Light in 2019. Um, I'm not even a fan really of Miller Light, but if we're talking about the mass-produced beers, Miller Light at least has some flavor. Uh, Coors Light is like if you're really just trying to get the closest thing to water possible. Coors Light's like, ah, I just want some alcohol in my water. It's like how I have Frappuccinos at Starbucks, which is really just a caffeinated milkshake. Coors Light is an alcohol-induced water product. Uh, But even that's acceptable to me. Bud Light? Bud Light is the single worst beer that I'm aware of, unless they're thinking of sponsoring the show, in which case, I love Bud Light. I've always loved Bud Light. I'll just sit here all day and drink Bud Light. But in all sincerity, okay? Yeah, yeah. It's not, it's not good. Like, there's so many different options that are out there. I know now in 2019 that they have different IPAs there at the ballpark. I mean, they have anything. Bud Light. I mean, honestly, I, I don't feel like I'm a snob of many things, Dave. I'm an ice snob for sure. Like, if I'm drinking stuff, I, I need ice in there. I'm an ice snob. I am. I'm, an, I'm a mustard snob, without question. I, I guess I'm kind of a beer snob, but Bud Light, come on, man. And what's really funny to me about it is, like, he thought that those Bud Lights were too valuable, that he was just going to take the baseball to the chest rather than catch it. Like, dude... Now, maybe he paid $15 for those Bud Lights, but how about having, like, any kind of IPA or double IPA? You can get more alcohol in one IPA than three Bud Lights, have it in one hand, and like I would have done, Jeff, just palm the ball like this with the other hand. By the way, see that girl in the Titans game, the cheerleader who caught the punt with the pom-poms? That was crazy impressive, by the way. That's another one. And then last for me is uh, the booing of the president. You know, I got to tell you, Dave, th- this this will, of course, come across as a political statement. It's not. I get very uncomfortable when people boo and act that way towards the president of the United States. I hold that position in a certain esteem or regard that that I'm not, I I get uncomfortable with that. The flip side is our current president has not held the position with the proper esteem or regard, right? So, you know, and any, any respect you have for the position and the esteem and the regard that that position should be held in, he's kind of forfeited that right with so many of the things that he's done. 
So I get it. I understand it. It's still, it just makes me sad. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. it just makes me sad in every respect that he has sort of forfeited the proper respect that should go to that position with so many of the ways he's handled things. And the fact that people do that in a public setting, like, I think that's an awful look for the United States. I think it's awful that we're in a position where we are booing and saying lock up uh, the leader of our country. It's just really sad that that's the position we're in. And that's with no political slant whatsoever. I think we can agree on that. I think respect for the office is something, unfortunately, of another time. Uh, and, and I do agree with you that I, I think that is something forfeited by this particular president. But look, we were headed down that road anyway. Just this particular president happened to inflame the situation. Unfortunate to see that happen, no matter what side of the political aisle you are on. I applaud Jeff Adams, that fan, for standing by with the two beers, not spilling a sip. Now, would you take that? I, I guess the question is, would you take the homer to the chest if you had two solid IPAs? I think then, Ross Tucker, you might take one for the team. But with two Bud Lights, you're basically saying, drop them both, palm the ball, then you're the hero. Bud Light called him a hero on Twitter. And I think we can safely write them off as a sponsor, given your prior description of the beer. <laughs> Uh, yeah, you're probably right about that. Look, um, I just, you know, I, I do understand it in the sense that there are people in certain parts of the country that haven't really been exposed to IPAs that much. And if you're 45, 50 years old and all mm -hmm. you've ever drank is mass produced water infused alcohol, I, I get it or alcohol infused water. I kind of understand it, but Dave, we were all like that until IPAs came out and we tried them and we're like, holy shit, this is way better. Like this is, <laughs> this is actually delicious. I, it tastes so good when it touches my lips. Like once you know better, you do better. By the way, I have a weird thing, Dave. I don't know if we've talked about this before. Do you know that after 40 years of being a vanilla guy, I think I now prefer chocolate ice cream over vanilla. Like, isn't that weird? Something is something is weird there. We, we have discussed this, in fact, on Home and Home before. I've always been a vanilla man, but I do actually understand the shifting toward chocolate later in life, and I can't account for it. I never craved chocolate ever before the last couple of years, and now crave it quite often. We need science. We need someone to investigate why you crave chocolate more later in life, or are we alone? No, so here's the thing. I wouldn't even know. I haven't had chocolate ice cream in forever. I wouldn't even know, except my one daughter, Helen, prefers chocolate. So one time, she couldn't finish. No big deal, more for me. And so I had it delicious. I was like, this is good. And then my other daughter, Tess, likes vanilla. I was like, wait a minute. I think I straight up like chocolate more than vanilla. And I used to be sort of a vanilla snob. Like, I'd be like, chocolate, come on, vanilla's where it's at. No, chocolate, like chocolate ice cream is good now. Okay. Well, I'm going to have to try because I haven't tried chocolate ice cream in years. I am straight up a vanilla man. So we got our, 
our top three fan performances from Game 5 of the World Series. We will discuss the game and where the series has shifted later on. But we start the sports discussion in the NFL with our top three teams in the NFC. And uh, number one for most people after an unbelievable performance on Sunday is the San Francisco 49ers who remain undefeated absolutely obliterating a very good Carolina Panthers team, 51-13. to 13, An incredible performance by San Francisco on both sides of the ball. Most points they've scored since 1993. Tevin Coleman, four touchdowns, first niner to do so since some guy named Rice back in 1993. But, of course, it's the defense that really leads the way for San Francisco, and it has been a historic effort, much like the New England Patriots, which we'll talk about, I think, probably in the 9 o'clock hour. And it all starts with Nick Bosa. This young man is unbelievable. Three sacks and an interception. We hope you all saw. If you haven't, go to go to YouTube and Google Nick Bosa interception. It was a play, quite frankly, in a game for the ages for this young man. And right about the time I'm thinking, I don't know if he's the defensive rookie of the year or if he's just straight up the defensive player of the year. And then I saw a quote from Richard Sermon saying the exact same thing. So I felt a little better about my assumption there. He said he deserves rookie of the year, but right now he should be in line for defensive MVP. Ross Tucker, is Richard Sherman correct? Well, I think he should be in the conversation for sure. I, you know, I mean, there, there's just no question about it. Now, he's missed some time, and but if he continues on the pace he's on the last few games, yeah, I think he's got a terrific chance at it. And it was unbelievable, Dave, to sit there and watch the red zone yesterday. I mean, a decent percentage of the red zone – was just the Bosa brothers kicking some serious ass. I think I tweeted, I'm at Ross Tucker NFL. He's at Dave Briggs TV. The show is at RDC Home and Home. And of course, the network is at RDC Sports. That's for radio.com. And I think I tweeted, uh, business is good for Bosa Inc. The family business is good because Joey Bosa had a whale of a game yesterday as well. What's crazy is that Nick Bosa missed the game against the Bengals. He didn't play. And then even when he came back against the Steelers in week three, he barely played. I mean, he has really been on a run just these last four games, Browns, Rams, Redskins, and of course yesterday against the Carolina Panthers. Not only the three sacks, but that interception where he showed rare athleticism. He's extremely impressive. And I got to tell you this, Dave. I do power rankings every Tuesday on my podcast, which is available, radio.com app. Check it out. And just like this show. And I'm, I'm bumping the Niners to number one. I'm bumping the Patriots down probably to three. Maybe four, which sounds crazy after yet another double-digit win for them. But I think the proof right now is in the pudding for the San Francisco 49ers. I didn't think the Patriots were overly impressive yesterday. They still have some issues along the offensive line, in the receiving core. I thought that there was a lot of the Browns giving that game to the Patriots as much as anything else. 
But the Niners went out and they took it. And their front is voracious. Their play calling from Kyle Shanahan is stupendous. Just coming up with awesome words as I roll here. It's Princeton. Boom. And Jimmy Garoppolo, I think, is playing better each week. They're doing it without their offensive tackles, who are both very good, and without Kyle Juszczyk, who's a big part of what they do. They embarrassed a Carolina team that had won four straight. So people say, are you buying the Niners? Here's what happens, Dave. People get all nervous about a team that hasn't really been in the mix lately, right? Like you could, oh, yeah, Packers are good and Saints and Page. What? No, I'm not buying the Niners. No, I'm not buying. People won't believe it until they have evidence that the Niners have done it in the postseason. I'm in. I'm in. They're number one on my power rankings. I'm in. I, I go by what I see this year, not preconceived notions, not what they've done in yesteryear. I don't give a shit. I care about what I see in the games this year. And what I see is the 49ers right now are the best team in professional football. Impressive. I I still would go with New England Patriots solely for the factor that, you know, I'm not I'm not all in on Jimmy Garoppolo. He was very efficient yesterday and very solid. And you can't complain about an 18 of 22 performance. But, you know, just 175 yards, did throw for two touchdowns, didn't need to do any more, though. So you can't be critical, I guess, of an effort where he did everything he needed to do. But when when push comes to shove, fourth quarter, who wins a football game, Tom Brady or Jimmy Garoppolo? I think we all know that answer. But staying in the NFC, I think, uh, and, you know, before we get to uh, to the other two teams in the NFC we both like, want to go ahead and hear from the principals involved in that one. Let's hear from the head coach, uh, Kyle Shanahan. Let's hear from Bosa as well. Um, probably the same as you guys. I mean, it was pretty damn impressive. I'm sure when I watch the tape, it'll even look better. Um, you know, that play that he made on the, the interception was one of the more impressive plays I've seen from a D lineman. Um, thought he should have scored, but it's always... It's always nice when they don't, and they let the offense score, too, so it was all right. You just turned 22. Are you surprised at his kind of poise? And, and I mean, he kind of seems to be matching what his brother has done, who's a veteran in the league. Um, yeah, I mean, he's, I think since the first day he's gotten here, you know, he's he doesn't change. Play you know, when no matter how everyone looks at him or how he plays or whether he's hurt or not, I mean, he, he's always very even kill, always the same. I think people like that are very impressive. Um, he's just very confident in himself, and... Um, the more he plays, the better he'll get as long as he can stay healthy because uh, he's a special player and um, definitely hasn't arrived yet. He's got a lot more to go, but um, he's been playing extremely well. What do you think about your teammate, Nick Bosa, and his performance today? Could be a little bit better, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> you kidding me? Uh, that dude, like I said, I think, um, I'm really happy he's on my team because I don't want to block him. Um, it's not very fun to do it in practice, but um, I'd rather do it then than in the game. And uh, just what he can do, I mean, yeah, cut block, stood back up, intercepted it, and ran it 40 yards after stiff-arming two guys. So he's an honorary tight end for National Tight End Day. He's an honorary tight end for National Tight End Day, which was on Sunday. That was George Kittle talking about the rookie Nick Bosa, who, again, I believe is at the very least in the conversation for a defensive player of the year. Forget about the rookie award. He is unstoppable. The force, I, there's not much to compare it to other than vintage J.J. Watt, who we'll get to later in the show. J.J. Watt for the third time in four years. 
an awful ending to his season. We'll talk about that in the 9 o'clock hour. But now moving on to the team I believe is number two in the NFC. We'll see if Ross Tucker would agree. And that is the New Orleans Saints who got their quarterback back. Drew Brees came back and he looked like there was no rust. Brees was spectacular. 373 yards passing, three touchdowns. New Orleans wins its uh, sixth straight game. And it's Latavius Murray. Again, uh, just dominant, 157 yards, two touchdowns, no Alvin Kamara, no real problem. Doesn't seem to matter who's out for the New Orleans Saints. They step up. Sean Payton looks like the coach of the year, and this is a complete roster. Michael Thomas, though. Michael Thomas is who I want to talk about. 73 receptions, best in the NFL, and on pace for the single-season record. So many wide receivers get so much of the conversation, whether it's Odell Beckham or DeAndre Hopkins or Julio Jones. And certainly there's conversation about Michael Thomas, but I'm not sure it shouldn't just be stated plainly. Michael Thomas is easily the best receiver in the NFL right now. Is he Ross and are the Saints your number two team in the NFC? Um, you know what? Michael Thomas right now is on an unbelievable role. I think you're right. Uh, he's certainly the most productive receiver. That division is just insane. Julio Jones, Mike Evans from the Bucks is unbelievable. But Michael Thomas, I, I don't know why he does not, why Mike Thomas does not get the same amount of publicity. It's like he's been overshadowed by Breeze and Kamara. But he is incredibly consistent at this point in his career. I was skeptical, by the way, of the Saints even playing Drew Brees. You know, they'd won five in a row with Bridgewater. They have a bye this week now. I thought, why not have Bridgewater play against the Arizona Cardinals and rest Drew Brees? Well, I guess the answer is because Drew Brees was ready to go, itching to go, and ready to play at a really high level. I will say this, though. I, I really felt like, Dave, and yes, mm -hmm. the Saints are now number two in my power rankings, even ahead of the Patriots, now that they have Breeze back. But I thought one of the major stories of this game was Cliff Kingsbury going for it, fourth and one at his own 29, midway through the third quarter, when it was still a 10-6 game. Still a 10-6 football game. And Breeze elects to do that. I, I mean, I'm sorry. Kingsbury elects to do that. You know, it, that's one where, you know, I don't know what the analytics said he should do there, Dave. But that totally, I mean, as soon as they got stuff there, Saints scored. Game was basically over at that point. I'm curious for you. When yeah. you see a final score of 31-9 and that decision by Kingsbury, do you look at that and say that was a terrible decision that hurt their chances to have any chance in that game? Or, and I think both answers, you can make an argument, is them losing 31-9 to by that kind of a margin proof that, you know, Kingsbury did have to go for it there. That the Saints were going to end up scoring more points. And he did have to try to keep that drive alive and get a touchdown or get points on the board to try to stay, knowing what might happen later. Well, let me just say yes, <laughs> because Cliff Kingsbury, clearly Arizona, is a far inferior team and was going to have to roll the dice, going to have to take big chances to even have a chance to stay competitive in that football game. 
That's just not the situation where you take your chances. Uh, 30-yard line, four down, that is a given to result in points. And all likelihood with that offense, given 100% chance that that's going to end in a touchdown. You know, maybe if you're at midfield, at or near midfield, it, it is a more difficult decision. A lot of opportunities for young coaches to roll the dice because their team back against the wall, underdogs, that one just can't end well. Absolutely no choice that ends well. And there's a lot of coaching decisions to question on Sunday. And we're going to get to one later on that is shocking because it is downright impossible to get Joe Flacco to be fired up and, and to be aggressive and to say anything into a microphone that gets written down or even remembered. Joe Flacco was strong coming at the Broncos play calling. We'll talk about that later on. And we'll also get into in just a sec, the team I believe is number three in the uh, NFC, but maybe exposed uh, a little more defensive weakness than we prior thought. But another brilliant performance by Aaron Rodgers. That's in just one sec, Ross. But first, it's ZipRecruiter time. Tell your friends. Cafe El Toro COO Dylan Miskowitz. He needed to hire a director of coffee for his organic coffee company. But he was having trouble finding qualified applicants. So he switched to ZipRecruiter. Because ZipRecruiter doesn't depend on candidates finding you. It finds them for you. It's technology. Identifies people with the right experience. And invites them to apply to your job. So you get qualified candidates fast. Dylan posted his job on ZipRecruiter and said he was impressed by how quickly he had great candidates apply. He also used ZipRecruiter's candidate rating feature to filter his applicants so he could focus on the most relevant um, ones. That's how Dylan found his new director of coffee in just a few days. With results like that, it's no wonder four out of five employers who post on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. See why ZipRecruiter is effective for businesses of all sizes. Try ZipRecruiter for free at our web address, ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash E-N-T-E-R. ZipRecruiter.com slash enter. ZipRecruiter, the smartest way to hire. And the smartest way to get yourself in trouble with your fan base is Make another one of those head-scratching decisions. There was a lot of them from coaches on Sunday from an official as well, which we will discuss later in the program. But the Chicago Bears just, they feel a bit snake-bitten at this point, at least from one position that happens to be the kicker that was the best thing going for the Bears prior to Sunday. But Matt Daggy actually really getting uh, a lot of criticism on this Monday morning for a decision he made late in the ball game, and the Chicago Bears may have lost the game because of that decision-making. We'll talk to Joe Ostrowski from Chicago about this whole situation. Joe's 670, the score in Chicago. So who is the bigger problem there? Is it Mitch, Trub Mitch Trubisky or is it the head coach, Matt Nagy? And what can Chicago do to dig themselves out of this hole? We're back with Joe right after a quick break. One of the things that's so cool about this show, Home and Home, a radio.com sports original, is that we got peeps and we got boys and we got them everywhere. 
because we are radio.com with affiliates all over the country, including 670, the score in Chicago. Pretty cool that we are less than five minutes of commercials per hour and that we are able to go right to where some of the biggest stories are in sports, including this morning in the NFL. What a disaster that game was for the Chicago Bears who came into this season with Super Bowl aspirations. And now they quite possibly might be the worst team in their division. Pretty unbelievable. Joe Ostrowski does a terrific job for 670 to score. He has joined us before. Joe, it's Ross Tucker here on Home and Home on Radio.com Sports. Yeah, I don't, I'm not even going to steer you in a direction, Joe. I, the biggest issue, the number one thing you want to talk about after that debacle yesterday is... Morning, Ross. Uh, Bears sit at three and four, last place in the NFC North, and a lot of Bears fans want the reigning head coach of the year fired. That's where we're at. Um, There are a few fans holding out hope for Mitch Trubisky, but I think everyone knows that he's one of the big problems. I don't care that he put them in position for a game-winning field goal, two costly turnovers in the fourth quarter and sure he hit some deep passes that's fine but every time you have two steps forward with Mitch Trubisky there's going to be three or four steps back and we saw that as the game closed out uh, you could put blame on Eddie Pinero if you want Negi was obsessed with finding the kicker but everything everything goes back to Matt Negi that's what this loss was all about it was all on the head coach he had issues with play calling once again. They couldn't accomplish anything in the red zone. Ross, they ran 16 plays in the red zone in the first half, and they gained 14 yards. 14 yards on 16 plays in the red zone. I I, I don't know what he's thinking at times. Continues, even though Montgomery was a beast yesterday in certain situations, there is not a running back on the field in the red zone. And then at the very end, zero thought of running a play with 43 seconds left. They decided to take a knee, take your one or two yard loss, set up a 41 yard field goal attempt for Eddie Pinheiro, the guy they doinked and miss a 33 yarder earlier in the game. The guy that made the decision was the guy that blamed all of last season. All offseason was blamed on Cody Parkey. It's all in the kicker. It's all in the kicker. And then he settles for a 41-yarder. It was shades of Mark Trustman, Ross. You may not – I don't know if you recall this off the top of your head. Back in 2013, in, the, in overtime against the Vikings, Trustman kicked on second down for a 47-yarder to beat Minnesota. Robbie Gold missed it, and uh, it felt eerily similar yesterday here in Chicago. Well, let's hear exactly what Matt Nagy had to say after the game when he was asked about that decision late. Zero thought of of, uh, running the ball and not taking up the chance of fumbling the football or, you know, they know you're running the football, so you lose three, four yards. So that's uh, that wasn't even in in our process as coaches to think about that. Um, You know, we 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 were in field goal range before the scramble 
and then we got the scramble, so that's that's that didn't even cross my mind. Throw the football right then and there. What happens if you take a sack or the fumble? That's right. Yeah, exactly. But no, there was zero thought of that. That's the. Let, I'll just be brutally clear. Zero thought of throwing the football. Zero thought of running the football. You understand me? Yeah. That's exactly what it was. So it's as simple as that. Could you explain again why not running the ball? I don't, what, what what was? Did I just say that? Yeah. You, yeah. I just what I said. The reasons. What was it? Fumble. And when they know you're running the football, you lose three or four yards. So I gotta tell you that that was Matt Nagy, and I know it. I know it looked strange, Joe, for there to be forty some seconds left, forty three, whatever it was, and the Bears having a timeout and to not run another play. Is it crazy though? If I listen to what Nagy says, Joe, and I I understand some of what he's saying. I mean, a lot of times in that situation. You run it because you want to get a little closer. You want to get the ball in the middle of the field. And I've been a lineman. I've been in those situations. There's 10 dudes there. You're running into a wall. And it's like at best you get back to the line of scrimmage. Sometimes you do lose a couple yards. And maybe the bigger issue is, you know, teams would sometimes then throw a five-yard out or, you know, throw the ball. But he he clearly doesn't trust Mitch Trubisky. And I don't blame him for that. I just think it's interesting. Watching Twitter, Joe, it's all about how Nagy's the worst coach ever. I would submit to you that the red zone issues earlier in the game and not getting touchdowns or points when they were down there and Nagy's play calling there is what I would have a bigger issue with than the field goal thing at the end. I mean, the guy's NFL kicker, 41-yarder. Okay, they could have maybe gotten – like, would people be happier – if they ran the ball one more time and they got three yards closer or two yards closer, like it's like visually people would be happier with that. Okay, hand it to Montgomery, get two yards, 39-yarder, and then we call a timeout. He misses anyway. Like I feel like that part of it, Joe's being blown out of proportion. I think the red zone stuff earlier in the game is the bigger issue. If he was three, four yards closer, maybe that kick goes in the way it hooked left very late, maybe. And I understand exactly what you're saying, but Ross, the frustration lies here. And of course, it's at the end of the game, so we're going to focus completely on this. But you hit on it. Trust. Doesn't trust Mitchell Trubisky. Doesn't trust the offensive line. Doesn't trust his rookie running back to hold on to the football. He doesn't trust anyone on this offense, probably aside from Allen Robinson. I mean, how can you win You're brought in as the offensive guru. Over the last 15 games, Ross, the offense has averaged 17 points per game over nearly a full season of football. But you are right. It's all about the red zone issues. What was he thinking at times? The I formation was working in this game. They ran for 162 yards. And a lot of the successful runs, out of the eye, he goes away from it. They're in the red zone multiple times. There was a pick by Kyle Fuller that put them at the Chargers four. They still couldn't get into the end zone. Uh, There was a third and goal from the nine. He calls a running play for Tariq Cohen. So it's, it's the guy that was praised for an entire year. They had the parade thrown for him, 
after failing to win one playoff game. Now a lot of people in Chicago are questioning, wait a second, the league caught up and this guy isn't adjusting. Is he really Mark Trestman? So let me also play devil's advocate here. If the kicker doesn't miss a 33-yarder and a (laughs) 41-yarder, they win the game. So in terms of your concerns about this team, at least for the rest of this season, is it kicker or quarterback or head coach? It's it's head coach because I guess we know that the kicker isn't any good. It wouldn't surprise me if they brought in a bunch of guys coming up on Tuesday in year three in the NFL, the middle of year three, over 30 games started in this league. I think we have an idea of what Mitchell Trubisky is, and he is not a long-term answer. He's not your franchise quarterback. A colossal mistake that sent the franchise back many, many years, moving up, giving up picks, and saying, we don't want Watson, we don't we don't want Mahomes. That's going to haunt this franchise for a very long time. So now the question is, what exactly do you have in Matt Nagy? What is he going to be moving forward? So that's my biggest concern moving for- forward. I mean, they're three and four. They're the 12th seed right now in the NFC, not even at the halfway mark. They're going to have a high draft pick. Oh, wait, no, they won't because they gave up the first round pick for Khalil Mack. They have two twos coming up next season. So Nagy is really the concern because I think we have answers on the other two issues. thought it was interesting after the game that Khalil Mack said that the loss was on the defense. What's he talking about? And is there any truth to that in your mind? Yeah, I can't kill the defense. They gave up 17 points. How can you really crush them? That's tough. That's tough to do. Uh, The touchdown they gave up at the very end, it was a short field, another Trubisky turnover. They started off at at the Bears 26. Now, what I will say is last year, that defense does not give up that touchdown. At the end of games, when they've needed stops, whether we're talking about Denver or against the Chargers yesterday, they haven't been able to come up with them. And you cannot overlook the impact, how much they are missing Akeem Hicks. It is killing them multiple times. Teams are just running right up the gut. Didn't happen with the Chargers yesterday, but teams just running right up the middle at the Bears. Roquan Smith does not look like the same player either. The uh, secondary not as opportunistic as a year ago, uh, not forcing as many turnovers. Remember, they had 36 takeaways last year. They're not going to come close to that number this year. Well, right. I think a lot of people kind of anticipated that that would end up being the case. They did get the run game going, which was nice. I, I guess the real question, Joe, is where do they go from here the rest of this year and if it continues in this direction after this year? I mean, whether it's the head coach or the quarterback or somewhere else, where do you think the changes would or should be made? It's amazing. Going back to yesterday, you look at the box score, Ross, and you're like, how did they lose? And some of the penalties the Chargers had, they kept giving them chance after chance to score in the red zone. They had, they they held the Chargers, rather, to 11 first downs in the game. Just everywhere you look, 162 rushing yards, outrushing L.A. by 126. How did they lose to the game? As far as moving forward... Well, the Bears coming off a first-place season, 
the schedule doesn't get any easier. Next week, they go to Philadelphia. They're already installed as five-point underdogs um, going up against Jordan Howard and Elshon Jeffrey, a couple of former teammates. And as you know, they looked pretty strong against the Bills in a bounce-back situation, taking care of the Bills 31-13. to But but I think uh, the other part of this season is about what's Trubisky. Is he going to be exactly what you have right now? If he is, after three years in this league, you know that you need to look for a quarterback. So I mentioned they're not going to have a high draft pick. They need to bring in some form of competition. That's been, that's been so frustrating for Bears fans because when Ryan Pace walked in here five years ago, he said, until you fix that position, you've got to bring a quarterback in every year. He decided, okay, let's give Cutler a contract. Let's bring in Mike Lennon. Uh, the rumor was that he was trying to trade up to get Marcus Mariota. Then he does trade up and get Mitchell Trubisky. The guy can't evaluate quarterbacks. So is he going to be the one selecting your next QB? That's what scares Bears fans right now. Yeah, I mean, I don't see why he should be. Uh, last question, Joe, before I get you out of here. I don't think we talked to you since the Cubs hired David Ross. What did you think of the hire of the new manager? I'm not a big fan. The introductory press conference is tomorrow at 11, rather today at 11 a.m. So the Bears are very thankful that uh, we'll start to move the conversation to the Cubs a little bit later this afternoon. But the Bears run this town. I, I think it's definitely a downgrade going from Joe Madden to David Ross. The two sides needed to part ways. Uh, I wanted them to get the bench coach of the Astros, Joe Espada, learn everything about what Houston is doing instead of their old, comfortable friend, David Ross. But what this is about, it's about the front office having more control. So they're going to have more control of David Ross. They're going to tell him what to do, and he's going to go out there and do it. Now, the question is, will he hold his friends accountable? Right now, there are 10 players on the roster that were teammates of Ross when they won the 2016 championship. So that's going to be the big question. And today he'll be asked numerous times of uh, whether or not are you Theo's yes man. It'll be interesting to see how he reacts to that. So here's what I don't understand, I guess, about baseball. Like, how was he even qualified to be a manager if he was just playing three years ago? He's not, Ross. Like that's that's the odd trend that baseball has taken. I guess it's similar to Aaron Boone. They want the younger manager played the game recently, feel that they can kind of connect with these younger players. Ross has not coached on any level. So after he retired, he did Dancing with the Stars. He's done media stuff for ESPN and uh, he was hired by the Cubs behind the scenes. So he learned a little bit about the front office viewpoint and what they do, I guess. But he isn't qualified. Again, never managed, never coached on any level. That is bizarre to me. Like, that you would never do that in the NFL, obviously. I guess baseball is different. Maybe the NBA is yeah. kind of going that route, too. Very, very interesting. Joe, as always, appreciate the time. Make sure you're checking out Joe, everything he does on social media. Joe, throw out your social media handles. On Twitter, at Joe0670, at Joe0670. And uh, this week I'll be on with Nick Costos on You Better You Bet, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday. Nice. I was on with Costos and Danny Parkins yesterday for the Sunday edition of You Better You Bet. 
for an hour. Make sure you're checking out Joe O on You Better You Bet, another radio.com sports original. That one's from 6 to 10. Thanks so much, Joe. Got it, Ross. Uh, They're losing to the Eagles, right? Yeah, I would imagine they are. I mean, look, <laughs> okay. this Joe, this this Eagles team is a a tough one to to get a handle on, but they looked awfully good against the Bills yesterday. Pretty much every phase. This is what the Eagles have been the last few years. Just when you're like, uh, it's not their year, they come out and you're thinking, whoa, okay, this is what we thought they could be. That said, they could come out against the Bears and totally play like crap. That wouldn't surprise me either. Um, but that was that was pretty impressive. That was their best performance of the year to go to Buffalo. I mean, the, the Patriots only won in Buffalo 16-10. to 10. For the Eagles to right. rush for over 200 yards, run it down their throat in those weather conditions in Buffalo. And by the way, the Bills converted like six or seven, third and 10 or more, like – the game actually could have been a lot worse. It was pretty So I, I'd be surprised if the Bears – because they're not going to be able to run the ball very well. So it's going to be on Trubisky and, and the Bears receivers to beat the corners for the Eagles. I I don't know. I mean, the Eagles – I'm interested to see. I think the, the line's like four and a half, five points, which yep. is – I'm expecting people to bet that up on the Eagles' side, actually. It opened at three yesterday, Ross, and they already bet it up to five. I'm expecting a new low next week. We'll be talking about Jordan Howard, the former Bear, that they traded away for a six-round pick, running over the heart of that defense, and Matt Nagy being outcoached by Doug Peterson. You know what? It's funny that you say that because at least until yesterday, Joe, I shit you not, okay? I watch every snap of every Eagles game because I'm on WIP on the pregame show, a radio.com affiliate. If you asked everybody... There's only one player on the Eagles that has really met or exceeded expectations. One, Jordan Howard. Like, how really? crazy is that, Joe? All <laughs> you guys told me, all every Bears fan, every Bears analyst at all, he's a plotter, he's slow, he sucks, he's terrible. We're so much better at running back now. He's the only guy for the Eagles that's been better than we thought we was going to be, and that's probably because you guys just kept telling us how much he sucks. And, and you know what that was, Ross? And I'm probably guilty of it, too. We trusted way too much in Matt Nagy. Everything he, he said and did was gospel. Matt Nagy comes in. They're 12-4. and four. Matt Nagy says he doesn't fit the offense. He didn't like him. Well, he must be right. We trusted Matt Nagy. And uh, th- that's the whole issue today. People are questioning everything he's doing and saying. Well, and you know, this is a homecoming for Matt because he grew up in Lancaster which is like an hour from Philly. So this will be a big oh, game yeah. for Matt Nagy. I don't know if we talked about this, Joe, but I, I know Matt Nagy from back in high school. He was a year above me at Mannheim okay. Central High School. Um, so on some level, I on some level I root for him, and I, and I hope he does well. But last couple of games, the lack of running against the Saints and then the red zone woes, it's crazy too because – they were so creative, you know, a year ago in so many ways getting Tariq Cohen the ball, and they were so dynamic. I mean, I thought Tariq Cohen and Anthony Miller would be stars this year, Joe. I really did. I really thought Tariq Cohen and Miller would be stars. Thanks so much, man. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Ross.
There he is, Joe Ostrowski from 670, the score in Chicago. Dave, it is not not real good in Chicago these days. That was a game you, you, you have to win that game. I mean, the turnovers they got inside the five, you have to win that game. I, I mean, I think Joe gave the numbers. Watching it, it felt like they were inside the, the five-yard line 20 times, came away with like three field goals. It was insane. It was the Bears being the Chargers. And and you mentioned the Philadelphia Eagles. And let's do talk about that effort and the 220 yards that Philly ran for against the Buffalo defense in Buffalo. Jordan Howard, you mentioned 96 yards and a touchdown. But I got to take issue with the only guy that's met or exceeded expectations because I have thought Miles Sanders has been a rocket for this Philadelphia Eagles team. He needs more touches. Get this guy the ball in space. Throw it to him. Hand it off to him. Do whatever you got to do. That 65-yard touchdown Miles Sanders scored yesterday was just electric. 220 yards rushing for this tandem. Kind of a thunder and lightning combination. 31-13, they beat the Bills. Carson Wentz, though, just kind of... Okay, and maybe that's the model moving forward. 172 yards passing and a touchdown. Is this the model that Philadelphia needs to succeed? Pounding away with the ground game and the little change of pace with Miles Sanders. Is this the identity that Philly has found? Well, to your point, Dave, about Miles Sanders, I was talking about going into yesterday's game, and I think Sanders had exceeded expectations in the passing game. But it had been a little bit underwhelming in the running game. So he was probably about met expectations if you net those two things out. It is weird, though, that running back was the position where they had been at the best, probably, compared to what you thought you'd get from the Eagles this year. You know, the weather, Dave, it was so windy yesterday. It was so hard to throw. I thought overall it was a very favorable performance by Carson Wentz. And I think this might be what they do offensively, at least until Deshaun Jackson comes back, whenever that is. But this might be how they go about it. Mm-hmm. It's the throws to the tight ends, throws to the running backs, really very little from the receivers. They're just, they're just not getting a lot of separation. They're just not very strong there at receiver. But they can go to Goddard and Ertz. They can go to Miles Sanders out of the backfield. And Wentz had some clutch on their on their game-clinching drive late. He had two clutch runs for first downs. I think that is a good recipe for the Eagles. It also lets the defense rest. They lean on that terrific offensive line. So, yeah, I think that might be their recipe, at least until they get Deshaun Jackson back. Or until they dip into the trade market. And the head coach, Doug Peterson, on WIP asked about that this morning. Were they... Will they go and make a play for a wide receiver? Will they go and make a play for a defensive back? We know they were in on at one point Jalen Ramsey, but the price was just too high that Jacksonville was asking, and clearly the Rams were willing to meet. But, boy, is there a ton of defensive back talent that is at least reported to be available before tomorrow's trade deadline. Here's Doug Peterson on WIP. More drama this week, trade deadline tomorrow. Doug, how involved are you in conversations with Howie about what your team could use leading up to that deadline? 
Yeah, Howie and I talk, you know, quite a bit here in the last, you know, last few days, uh, weeks leading up to this. And 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 look, it's it's got to be it's got to be right for the Philadelphia Eagles. It's got to be right for our team. Um, you know, I don't think you just go and pull the trigger just to pull the trigger. I think I think you got to be smart. It's got to be someone that can come in and help. And uh, if if we even decide to make a to make a move, um, we are getting some guys back healthy now here. Hopefully this week and in the next coming weeks, and we got a buy coming up. So. You know we're 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 getting there. We're getting close, and and uh, but yet you know we'll take a look and and see if somebody can can help us uh, win games. And, and again, it's got to be the right person. Doug Peterson on WIP. Quickly before we break, Ross, what do you expect them to do in this final 24 hours, final two days before the the trade deadline expires? Who do you think they make a move for? Well, I do think the Eagles will end up making a move. Um, and I think that they're probably talking about Chris Harris from Denver, Leonard Williams from the Jets, Robbie Anderson from the Jets. And I got to tell you right now, I think the most likely would be a move with the Jets for either Robbie Anderson or Leonard Williams. Ronald Darby and Jalen Mills were the corners yesterday. And they played pretty well. And they'll get Avante Maddox back soon. I'm not sure that the Eagles need a cornerback as much as they thought they did a couple weeks ago. They really need a receiver who can take the top off the defense. The general manager for the Jets, Joe Douglas, was with the Eagles the last few years. So I think they'll look at that. And I think they'll look at Leonard Williams as well as a D-tackle to play next to Fletcher Cox. You know, so much of it, though, Dave, is like, when are they getting Timmy Jernigan back at D-tackle? When is Deshaun Jackson really coming back from this core muscle injury? I don't have those answers, and I hope they have a better idea or timetable than I do because that would be a major factor into acquiring anybody. They might not have to do anything if they feel like they're getting those guys back soon. Well, I, I think Josh Allen can make you feel a lot better about your defensive backs than you really are. Uh, he is an erratic uh, inaccurate quarterback. I don't trust him to gauge your defense. 16 to 34 yesterday. He's overrated. And, and that secondary needs help. And there is a ton of secondary help out there. I mean, Tlaib and Harris and Jenkins and Norman and reportedly even Darius Slay. So we're going to ask Elliot Shore Parks who he thinks the Eagles will go after before tomorrow's trade deadline. And what is the biggest area of need for the Eagles? Elliot Shore Parks covers the Eagles as good as anybody in this business. We'll go to him after a break, as well as talk about World Series Game 5, how dramatically it has shifted, and 300 wins for Bill Belichick. Will he go on top number one all time? He's got a long way to go. We'll discuss that for you after a quick break. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.